Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithfield, Texas. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Wednesday, February 19th, we're studying Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 43. Jesus continues teaching the people in parables. Today's text includes the parable of the weeds, the parable of the mustard seed, and the parable of the leaven. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Gavin Mize. Pastor Mize serves at Augustana Evangelical Lutheran Church in Hickory, North Carolina. Pastor Mize, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Thank you so much, Pastor Apple. I really appreciate it. And as always, I enjoy being here with you. Pastor Mize, as we get started... As we get started this morning, help us out with some context. We're dropping right into the middle of, of chapter 13, a long discourse of Jesus that includes several parables. Give us some context, some background information that'll help us as we dig into the text particular for today. It's, it's particularly interesting that uh, chapter 13 begins right in the parables. You know, just It's almost like the parables just fall out of uh, the sky, because before that we have the sign of Noah and... Um, Christ's mother, um, and then the chapter, chapter twelve ends. Thirteen begins the parable uh, of the of the sower, and all. And the only context that we have in that is that same day Jesus went out of the house um, and sat beside the sea, and then the crowds of people came to him and wanted them, him to teach to them. That's that, that's why they were drawn to him. That's why we're drawn to to Christ that that we may be taught and forgiven. Uh, and so Christ gives them the parable of of the sower. And what's interesting is that it's it's almost like like the foreword of a book. The parable of the sower is um, because it gives the foreword, and then there's the introduction. And the introduction is the purpose of parables, which comes right after the parable of the summer. Uh, summer, excuse me, the sower. Um, and then right after that, uh, there's the explanation of the the parable of the sower, and uh, you see the the break in between the, those two, and then you'll see the exact same thing as we as we go through our text, except he doesn't explain the purpose of parables, but the prof- prophetic nature of uh, parabolical uh, teaching and preaching. And also, I think it's important that we um, differentiate between parabolical teaching and illustrative preaching, um, which is what some people do in their sermons. Um, but, you know, the, the two are not the same. Um, anyways, so, so we'll actually see kind of a recap of a recap uh, in our text, starting at, at 24 with the parable of the weeds, because um, truly we, we see the sower uh, sowing the seeds, and then the parable explained, and then what happens when the weeds are tossed in with the uh, with the good seed of the of the sower, and so forth. And he will stick with uh, Matthew will stick with the seed with the understanding of a mustard seed, but that sort of flips on its end and sort of sticks out like a like a sword thumb out of nowhere. Um, but really, uh, it, kind of, it, it, it kind of is used as, as an adhesive between the, uh, the, the texts. And then, of course, like I said, uh, when Christ, early on in chapter 13, when Christ teaches the purpose of parables, uh, for our text, he's going to teach the prophetic nature of parables, and then we'll get the explanation of the parable of the weeds. Uh, I think that's basically the basic overview um, that we could look look at instead of uh, it, without looking forward and, uh, and and stepping on the next pastor's toes. Uh, we can just take take a look at at, at that remembering 
what happened in the beginning of chapter 13 all the way up to uh, all the way up to 24 and then carrying on right so we'll want to see the the parable of the sower and the ways that what Jesus has taught there going to come to bear in these parables as well real briefly pastor Mize, you you mentioned something that we should differentiate between teaching with a parable and like sermon illustrations. Could, could you give us just a, what, what do you mean by that, the difference between parables and illustrations? Well, p- personally, uh, I, I do not preach with illustrations. Um, illustrations are meant to be uh, a, a, a drawing or a picture of, uh, uh, of an object you know, when you think of something that is that is illustrated, um, you think back to high school art class where you ha- where you had, you know, a fruit basket and you were trying to draw it and illustrate it, and it's basically just a representation of of something that is there. Um, I think we've fallen too much into that in our uh, preaching, where we take an illustration and then we use you know the metaphoric language. Or the heaven, uh, have, uh, this is is like that, and we end up with um, you know right smack dab in the middle of Hans Feeney's uh, Lutheran satire, uh, bad analogies. You know we we no all illustrations fall flat, so it's very difficult to uh, to to get a very to to create a very good one, um, but but in parables Christ teaches perfectly uh when he teaches parabolically he teaches um you know he, he's not teaching uh an earthly lesson with with a with a heavenly meaning uh it it's all it's it's truly all messianic and prophetic you know especially in the text that we're going to see this is not uh this is not an illustration he's he's talking eschatologically he's talking about the the end times when when the son of man comes uh and and the uh, good wheat in the is is uh, cut with the uh, with the weeds and what happens to them it's completely and totally uh teaching a reality um that's not an illustration and i think we have to uh we have to be able to differentiate uh between those two to be successful in our uh, homiletics. I, I like what you said, that Jesus is preaching reality here. This isn't some sort of fake thing. This is real, what he's talking about. And so with that, let's read the text. We're in Matthew 13, beginning at verse 24. He, that's Jesus, put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are angels. 
Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. That's the text for today, Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 43. Pastor Mize, as you mentioned, Jesus here starts with what's called the parable of the weeds, usually. Take us into this parable. What is the what is the reality that Jesus is describing with this parable? It goes all the way back, <clears throat> excuse me, it goes all the way back to the, to the original uh, garden, uh, the, the original uh, sowing of seed and, and the seven, day of, seven days of creation. Um, I mean, we can almost follow it phrase by phrase, you know, that, that, that the, um, the master uh, sows uh, good seed, and, and we can even follow track in Genesis where it says, you know, where, where God says, and he saw that it was good, or he said that it was good. Um, and everything that he created was good. Well, then the enemy comes along, and he plants he plants weeds, you know that 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 seed of, of doubt in in the woman's uh, ears, and in that uh, we find the very first corruption of the field. And so I think this answers the question: Why did? Well, I think this is, this is an answer to the question that many parishioners ask us. Um, well, why didn't God just start over? You know, when, when when sin came into the world, why didn't God just just start over and and uh, uh, create a whole new world and zap the devil out there and and uh, and let let that be that? You know, the, as if God's you know his first experiment didn't work out real well, um, so we had to go back to you know in the scientific method, the hypothesis, and, and start a whole new experiment. Well, the reason is because um, there, throughout time and history, to this day, to this, to this uh, interview, um, God has been sowing good seed, and, and in that are his faithful. He didn't destroy the world because of those whom he loved who, have not yet, who had not yet drawn breath. Um, and so it, it's by his grace that evil grows within the, the midst of the wicked. And that's not to say that we don't fight the good fight of faith, but it's, but it's to say for the sake of the good, um, he, he does not destroy the entirety because of the bad. Um, and that's the simplest way of putting it in good and bad terms. You know, we don't really like to use those, those terms, but you, you see what I'm saying. Um, in that, and what's interesting is the servant comes to him and says, "Master, uh, did you not sow good seed in your field? And how often are we to to be that way? Um, to to question, you know, the the bad things that that happen, and um, of course, not going off on the on the deep end like." Uh, God creates hurricanes because of sinful action or something like that, but rather it's a fallen world. But when he asks the question, God, uh, the, the master already knows. He knows that, that the enemy has sown the seed uh, of the weeds. And as they're sprouting, in within the text, we, we, we can assume that while they're sprouting, we can't, or even while they're seeds, we can't tell the the difference. Um, it's just like uh, it's, it's like us, you know. We are human beings, and you. Uh, it's not always easy to tell the atheist from the uh, Scientologist, from the Christian, from the um, Orthodox Lutheran, um, or 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 anyone else just by sight. Um, but you will know. Christians by their fruit, and so the master allows them to grow together. 
we we're at verse 30 just for those who are following along um let both go together until the harvest now at the harvest time uh, i will tell the reapers gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles and to be burned and gather the wheat into my barn now it doesn't take a whole lot of um exegesis to figure out what the parable is saying here the evil shall reap their reward and those in whom have faith the good seed shall be gathered into the kingdom of of god uh, to the lamb uh, in his feast now that is just the first section um and then we sort of switch gears uh, is there anything you want to add to, to that uh first section there that I, I, I may have missed. Just to just to bring out one of the points that I, I think you were bringing out. So we see this parable as a picture of what God has been doing throughout history, starting with the garden, how he has planted his good seed, and the enemy, the evil one, comes and sows the bad seed of, of doubt. And for the sake of his good seed, the Lord is patient. And I think that's that's one of the primary things that we should see about the Lord here in this picture, is that he is patient towards his world for the sake of of the elect, for the sake of, of his good seed. Is that is that something that we can draw from this parable about who God is, Pastor Meister? Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was saying. Um, I mean, look at the first uh, children written about uh, Cain and Abel, you know the the earth was was um, you know cried out with with the blood of Abel, um, and Cain killed him. Uh, well, could that have been prevented um, by God, you know, <laughs> destroying the world and making it again? Um, and uh, with 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 questions like that. I think they often come to pastors in the sense of why do bad things happen to good people? Or um, why does this person burden me so? Or um, I try to do all the right things, but uh, nothing works out. Or one that I hear a lot is, and it's usually, it's usually offhand, you know, jokingly, if it wasn't for bad luck, I would have no luck at all and there's there is there is some divine uh assuming in that little phrase but that's exactly what i'm saying uh god is patient with his creation for the sake of those who love him and it says so in the ten commandments uh, uh clearly um punishing uh, those for generations um etc et, et um so, yeah, I think that's exactly exactly what we're able to get out of that. And then from 30, uh, it really sums it up together and says that's, that's exactly what the Master is doing. And, of course, we know the Master is the Son of Man. And we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into that in the second part when Jesus explains this, why the, the usage of Son of Man is used uh, in there, and it will really tie it together. Even though Jesus explains it completely, uh, the Son of Man there is very, very important. Hmm. Also, before we leave this part of the, the text, Pastor Mize, you mentioned about the servants who, who want to come in and, and say, well, should we go and gather, right? Should we do this separation right now? And the answer from the Master is no. How, how should we hear that as the Church today and our response as we see, you know, the sons of the evil one scattered and sown throughout the world, what, how do we take that and use that today? I, I think that in a practical sense, in a pastoral sense, we see that often in the splitting of denominations and, and, and things like that. Um, coming up, we, well, we have that the vote of the Methodist World Council, I don't know what, 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 what that acronym is, uh, where they voted against homosexuality and and um, uh, homosexual pr- uh, priests and um, and homosexual unions and things like that. Well, 
the liberal part of that church did not like it. They took their ball and actually they kicked the ball, I suppose. Um, and they separate, you know, they separated. And uh, when we ask questions like, well, we just can't, we Christians just can't get along. We just can't get along. It's like, well, no, some servants desire uh, to be God and to uh, rip up even the good wheat um, the, or, or take up the good seed. Um, and it, 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 another example is the is this new uh, trad Catholic movement, um, who are so upset with the Pope, Pope Francis, and uh, and his seemingly universal language uh, of all, all dogs go to heaven uh, theology. It's the same kind of kind of kind of thing. It's like, well, being told one thing and something else is is happening and there's a deviation and a breaking and um, we can see it even in our own denomination. And I think that, that the servants desire to be helpful but they're not following the words of the master. And the words of the master usually come after um Certainly before, but also after, uh, evil intent is is uh, desired. Even if it, even if the intent that is being intended is not evil to them, oftentimes we can confuse. I mean, that's the greatest uh, trick. What was it? The, the Usual Suspects, that movie. The greatest trick that the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he didn't exist. Um, being confused between what is right and what is wrong, what is bad and what is good. Um, I think that the servants desired to do the right thing. That's why they asked, uh, should we take take up the the weeds? And and the master says, no, for the sake of of the wheat or the sake of the uh, uh, the good seed, we'll, we'll allow it to grow. Uh, until the harvest, and and that has been happening throughout time, throughout history, so out throughout all of salvation history, uh, to this day and into the eschaton, the the, the end times, um, the the bad wheat, the, the bad I keep saying wheat, uh, the bad seed and the good seed shall grow together, um, but it, the good seed will be combined into one man. Uh, in our next, in the next section here. Real, just to press that point just a little bit more, you, you know, you mentioned about how you, you see within denominations in the United States of America, just this rampant unfaithfulness when it comes to what the Word of God says, and, and just a blatant denial of the truth. So, practically speaking, then, how, how do we, as, as Christians, as, as pastors, speak for the sake of the good seed, to, to warn them against this sort of unfaithfulness, this, this rejection of God's Word, all the while staying true to what the Master says here and not, not trying to uproot things right now. It, it seems to me that, that maybe a good word to speak of then is, is confession, that we would confess the truth. And, and when you confess the truth, the truth doesn't need to argue, the truth doesn't have to, to push its point, the truth simply stands on its own. And so to do that, to confess the truth, is to is to let let the truth speak and let that be the judge, and and those who who fall in one side or the other, they they show themselves it by their fruit, as I think you said earlier. What what do you think, Pastor Mize? We got just about two minutes here before the break. Well, I I think we can we can look at it um, in a Reformation sense. Uh, in the Reformation, there was there was there was meant to be a Reformation of the Church, um, and the the. The whole the the Roman Catholic Church wasn't having it, um, but Lutherans are no are not Protestants. We we're not still protesting anything. We haven't protested anything since 1580. Um, in 1580, the Book of Concord was was produced. So we're not protesting. We can lay that confession down and say this is this is our confession. This is what binds us together. Um, while the LCMS Inc. is is a is a good organization, the Book of Concord 
um, that that draws its truth from Scripture uh, that we confess. And so anyone who deviates from such a confession then um, is, by virtue of their actions, removing their own seed, uh, their own their own selves uh, from uh, from the uh, from the garden, and uh, will be bound and and burned as the as the parable says. And I think I think that that Lutheran pastors need to preach that need to preach that law. Um, that, that that there is a real hell and that there is you know your confession does matter and uh the faith within you uh, needs to bear fruit you're listening to sharper iron here on worldwide kfo we're looking at matthew chapter 13 some of the parables of jesus there we're going to take a short break but we will be right back please stick around Since 1978, Lutheran Church Extension Fund has had the humble privilege of supporting Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Ministries and her workers. Thanks to faithful investors, LCEF has provided thousands of church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations with the low-cost loans and resources they need to reach more people with the saving name of Christ. To learn more, visit lcef.org or call 800-843-5233, 800-843-5233. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. On this Wednesday, February 19th, we're studying Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 43, with Pastor Gavin Mize of Augustana Evangelical Lutheran Church in Hickory, North Carolina. Pastor Mize, prior to the break, we were looking at the parable of the weeds as Jesus lays it out in verses 24 through 30. Before he gets to the explanation of that parable to his disciples privately, he puts two more parables before the people, the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the leaven. Perhaps before we consider those parables, at first, just to take up the question briefly, why is there this separation between the parable of the weeds and its explanation with these two parables intervening? I think that we are able to see uh, some small beginnings of, of, of the kingdom of God on earth within them. Um, there is the, 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 long, the, the, I don't know if you're a baseball fan, but there's the, the long ball game and the, then there's, there's the short ball. Um, you can always hit the, the home run, but uh, you can, but you can also win, just hitting it over the heads of the uh, infielders. Um, well, the, these are these are small examples of of how the kingdom of God operates within um, within the entire overarching salv, salv, salvific history uh, that the parable of the weeds shows us in conjunction with what we would have already read in chapter thirteen, uh, one through twenty three. And so, with the parable of the of the mustard seed in particular, um, it's it's always fascinated me to, that you could go through the mall and find you know little kiosks and things like that, or you can go to Lifeway or something like that, and you'll find um, you know a mustard seed encased in glass, as if the point of Christianity is to have as small a faith as possible. Um, and that you know they were that rather neck to remind them that even faith as small as a mustard seed, et cetera. But that, that the, the faith as small as uh, small as a mustard seed uh, grows, and when it grows, it grows uh, larger than all the garden plants. Um, uh, so much so that you know birds come and nest in its branches, um, and that's that right there points to exactly why you cannot uh, worship God on the ninth hole uh, of the golf course on Sunday morning, and why you must go to church, and why not going to church is a sin. Uh, we need to go and be fed with the Word of God that faith may grow. And, it, you know, when, when people say, well, I've gone to church every Sunday, uh, and X Y Z, you know, here, here are the, you know, I've I've always been here at this church. Um, it's sort of missing the point that that 
by going to church, you you are not you are not by, by not by virtue of your mileage are you uh, saved or your faith grown, but by the words that are preached, the law that is given uh, to 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 break us of our haughtiness, and the gospel that is given to not only. Uh, uh, calm our consciences, but also to completely forgive our sins. Um, uh, in, in that, fa- uh, faith, it, it, the preaching and the administration of the sacraments is efficacious. It does something. It's not a. Uh, it's not a, a, a. An American ritual, the way that the military has has their. American rituals, or the, or the police have their American rituals. Um, it's it, it, it's not a ritual of I'm trying to think of the word of um, futility. You know, the preaching of the word and the administration of the sacrament is the uh, watering of the mustard seed and and, and the feeding of the mustard seed. Uh, that faith shall grow, um, and when we don't go to church, um, and again, I'm going to make my plug for every Sunday communion. When we don't receive the Lord's Supper, um, our faith is not affected. Um, it, it it simply lies dormant, and as C.S. Lewis says, it's the uh, it's not the quick fall to hell; it's the slow and gradual one. I, I appreciate how you're bringing out the the point of the mustard seed, and I think also of the leaven, is, is the matter of growth. It's, it's that it doesn't stay small. The mustard seed starts small, but it grows. The leaven right. starts out hidden, and that's, I think that's an important word to pick up on, too, in, in that parable as well. I, I think they go together, but, but it starts out hidden, and, and really it's, it's hidden until the very end, I think. You don't, you don't get to see it until the end, which I think is where Jesus' explanation of the parable of the weeds is going to take us. But the point is that it grows, and, and it grows because God's word, the steep, is effective. As you, as you rightly said, the, the preaching that happens in worship, the, the body and blood of Christ that we receive weekly, you're right, weekly communion is, is the way to go. We need the Lord's body and blood as our very heartbeat. That's, that's effective. It does something, and it causes, it causes growth. And, and that's true even if you can't see it. And I think that's that's part of what's going on here too. If you consider Jesus and he's talking to these crowds who who have not believed in him, that they, they want him to teach, but but they're sort of on the fence. They're not sure what to do with Jesus. And he's addressed that with the purpose of the parables. He he's he's teaching them here, I think, that that yes, it's hidden right now. It looks small right now. You can't see what it's doing necessarily, but this is the reign of God. And it is growing, it is effective. And it's it's a call then I think for the crowds to to listen and to believe in Christ. And I think that's true both of the the parable of the mustard seed, and also of of the leaven. Further thoughts, Pastor Mize, on those two parables. Well, no, I th- I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, and and to, I mean to just for a couple of words of of uh, commentary on the on the leaven. I I do like that. Um, uh, mention of of it being hidden and i don't i have a wonderful bread maker in my congregation but i think that uh, uh we could learn more about the faith if we were to bake our own bread because we don't really know how leaven works unless you've done that and um there's no such thing as as a little leaven given uh time and opportunity uh and that's also true for the christian um, there, there's there's no small faith given time and opportunity given uh, in Christ's house. Time and opportunity meaning you're present in the house of God and uh, you receive him, both in your ears and in your mouth and upon your forehead in, in holy baptism. Um, and the Lord is constantly telling us uh, to keep our our uh, wicks trimmed and uh, and to be prepared for what is to come, and that's what I mean by opportunity. I don't I don't mean you know that uh, maybe there at the last we'll be able to uh, jump ship from our evil ways, but that if our, if if the divine service goes an hour and a half, you know what? 
Good. That's another that's an extra half hour that you got to uh, uh, be in the presence of of Jesus and with the body of Christ. Um, and it's the it's that little bit of of faith that absorbs uh, into the rest of the lump. Um, as, and now we're getting into a kind of a different parable there, but you you see the point. Right, right. Real, real briefly before we leave these two parables, the one, one more detail that stands out in the parable of the mustard seed that's at least missing, it seems, from the leaven, is the matter of the birds of the air coming and making nests in its branches. Is this a perhaps a picture of the Gentile mission that's going to be happening, or the you know the further preaching of the word, or maybe as, as you've been saying, Pastor Mize, that you know you you come to where the Lord is and where His kingdom is. That's that's where you come to make your home. What's is that the the picture here? Um, well, I, I hesitate to say what what Scripture doesn't, um, uh, but I do I do like the the uh, the first thing that you said about because yeah, everyone forgets about that that there's actually two commissions. There's the first to 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 go not to the Gentiles but to the Jews. We don't really like to talk about that because we're mostly Gentiles. Um, but then the Great Commission comes post resurrection and it's to the ethne to the gentiles to go out um and so the uh you know kind of the root of jesse and we're we're we are nesting in the uh, in in the root of jesse uh, having borne fruit through christ um i i do like that imagery a lot <laughs> before before matthew gives us the explanation to the parable of the weeds he says that Jesus is doing this to fulfill the Old Testament. He brings out a quote from Psalm 78. He talks about why Jesus is preaching in parables, which is similar to something that Jesus has brought up earlier in the chapter. Pastor Mize, what is what's going on in verses 34 and 35? In verse 34 and 35, we see a bookend uh, from verse... Um, let me make sure I'm right here. Uh, yes, from, from verse 10. The first bookend... Uh, is the disciples came to came and said to him, "Why do you speak to them in parables?" And then Christ gives them the purpose, the reason uh, for parables. Um, and then here in 34 and 35, we see the, the other bookend, um, which says that, "Well, not only do I speak so that they understand, but that it's prof- it's prophetic." Uh, I speak in parables because it, it was so prophesied that I would speak in parables. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. And even that foundation of the world points back to our parable of um, of the, the, the seeds growing together uh, and God calling his seed good and the enemy sowing his bad seed uh, in in Adam and, and Eve. Uh, so he's not just saying, well, they're a little slow, so I've got to give a sermon illustration so that they'll kind of kind of get it. Um, rather, he's saying this was this was prophesied uh, that that I would that, that I would speak in in such a way um, that you would be aware of the kingdom of God, because how many are, how many parables begin, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom um, of heaven is like, uh, again and again and again. Um, and then even later, uh, he, in the in the parable of the net, he even asked the questions, have you understood all of these things, uh, all the, all the things that I have said in these parables? Um and this comes right at the end of of the parables in Matthew and the beginning of Christ's rejection in in Nazareth. Uh, but to to get back to the point, um, yeah, this is this is the the book in saying that these parables are were to be said were created before the foundation of the world to be said to, unto you um, that that you would know of the kingdom of heaven. Um, and the kingdom of God uh, is is in your hearing. He is here. He is I. 
I think one of the things that I appreciate about Matthew bringing this out right here is that it, it does remind us that when Jesus preaches to the crowds with these parables, he does want them to hear and believe. The, the previous quote from Isaiah chapter 6 that Jesus brought out earlier talks about things being hidden and ears hearing but not understanding and eyes seeing but, but not believing. And, and so the, the parables have that hiding effect. But here is also a reminder that, hey, look, Jesus does want these crowds to hear and believe him. And, and he's preaching just as the Old Testament said he was going to. He's preaching the things the Old Testament said he would. And so I, I think that's it's a helpful, I don't know, balance maybe isn't the right word, but it, it does help to, to interpret what has been said earlier and, and sort of wraps up that section of the parables to the crowds nicely, because the audience is going to, to change here in a section. Second. Absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely think you're right. Um, I'm not sure how much time we have left. Uh, we still got we still got 12 minutes, Pastor Mize. So, do you okay. want to move into the explanation of the parable of the weeds? I, I do because there's a few things that I want to uh, I want to point out there. Sure, particularly go ahead. not only faith but uh, uh, the church itself or herself, I should say. Um, if you don't mind reading that that section starting at 36 again for our our sure. listeners. So again from Matthew 13, beginning at verse 36, Then Jesus left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. There's the explanation, Pastor Mize. Take us into it. Thank you so much. Um, the first thing that jumps out at me is uh, uh first of all the locale has moved um it's moved from where they were to in the house um because he left the crowds and the, and, the, and it's just the disciples that, that 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 came up and asked for the explanation and you would think that this would happen quite often honestly uh he says this the one who sows the good seed is the son of man now, the Son of Man is the Messianic title, not the Son of God. Uh, the Son of God is used often for many people that are not the Christ. The Son of Man, um, being born of a virgin, uh, is the Messianic title. And so the master of the house is the Son of Man, um, that is, the Christ. You know, like I said earlier in your hearing. Um, the field, of course, is the world. The good seed is the sons of the kingdom. Now, when we talk about the kingdom, we also see a, 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 narrow, a more narrow view of the kingdom when we see uh, parables such as uh, the wedding feast and, uh, and the eschatological par parables and understandings of, of, the, of the virgins and uh, and uh, and the like there, um, but here it's the entire kingdom. Those who have uh, who who Christ has bidden from the highways and the byways to enter into the wedding feast, um, and when the time comes to the close of the age, um, the angels shall come, and uh, the weeds, those who and. Uh, and uh, I, I don't I don't know if you have kudzu where you are, but uh, we have plenty of it here. Do you know what that is? Yes, I do. What? Okay. What, okay. What, what, yeah. Go ahead. Well, kudzu is the, is a fast growing, strong weed uh, that actually has a beautiful blossom, but given time and opportunity, it can tear down a house. Um, that's how, how strong and and uh, and wildly it is. It takes down trees. Um, it's just the strength is, is 
incredible uh, in in the wilderness and in, in this world. Well, so are the weeds. Uh, yet nothing, uh, there is no strength that shall save those uh, who, whom the angels come for. And I, you know, when I read texts like this, I well, Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne had their uh, uh, Good Shepherd Institute, and their art theme was angels, archangels, and all the company of heaven. And uh, through some of the art that that I was that I was able to see, um, the angels are rarely considered, you know, cupid-like figures. Um, they're uh, things to be to be feared, and uh, and loaded down with with uh, um, weapons of righteousness. Uh, it's funny because we have the juxtaposition of you know Gabriel who speaks softly, and then Saint Michael who slays the dragon. Um, and in between those, there's a whole mighty host of of angels who, at the closing of the age, uh, will bind the weeds and will. Um, throw them into the fiery furnace uh, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I hear too often uh, uh, Lutheran preachers who skip over these these little sections um, or they turn it into a radical type of, of Lutheranism where um, the uh, the Weeds are 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 growing out, and um, uh, they're really not that bad. You you just have to go out and kind of bundle them in amongst uh, the the wheat, uh, lest they be separated. Uh, and and I, I think that I think that the the, the law in its full strength is. Um, this is a reality. Um, you need to be fed. You need to be blooded, watered. Uh, you need Christ, uh, lest lest uh, your seed turn uh, in, into into weed. Um, and what I see the most of in in the world is, and that's why I, I this particular section I like is. Lukewarmness, you know, uh, a numbness, and an, uh, a apathy for Christianity, let alone religion, um, to where it doesn't really matter uh, because what's going to happen is going to happen, and uh, we don't have to worry about it. Or the idea that it, I'm okay, I'm all right with God. Um, I don't need to go, to go to church, and and the preacher man preaches too long anyway, you know that that, that kind of thing. But uh, Christ makes it so poignant that he says, "The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father." I love that because he likens the church to his body, his he he being the Son of Man and their Father, which he teaches them to say for the first time in the Lord's Supper, or excuse me, in the Lord's Prayer. How should we pray? Our Father. Whoa, that's huge. <laughs> Never would they have thought to, to pray to God as, as, as their Father. Uh, but, but through Christ we have that access, and we become the body of the Son of Man. And the Son of Man is the one who, who enters the kingdom of heaven, and we in tow. And that's, we need to hear that. The listeners of this program, that's why I love Sharper Iron, listeners of this program need to be able to hear those words and be able to uh, uh, see that law and that gospel and have it strike their hearts in fear and uh, and, and also uh, comforted in the love that is in Christ Jesus. There, as you said, there, there's certainly no room for lukewarmness here in this text, and the reality that Jesus describes of the judgment for those who are unbelievers is is real and and should frighten us. It should it should bring us to repentance. But there is, a, I think, a measure of comfort 
for for Christians here in this text as well, in seeing what you said that that in in the end in the life of the world to come, Christians will shine like the sun in the kingdom yeah. of their Father. That that even as Christians live in this world where the wheat and the weeds are growing side by side, and we don't always know the difference, and and sometimes the evil of the weeds harms the wheat in in this life in in terms of temporal ways that that at the end the lord will sort that out and and he will give justification righteousness to his people and i I think that's a great comfort for us as we look forward to that last day pastor mines we got just about two minutes left here on the morning well no i agree with you completely i mean that was that was where i was trying to get there with the last the last few comments is that uh um especially having just known the transfiguration here, uh, you know, shining like the sun with the Father. Um, we shine like the sun, or we shine like the sun with the Father in the same way that Moses did. Uh, we, we shine not, not from our beings, but, but, but from the, uh, the brightness of, of the Father's love. And, um, and through that we have, of course, the Son, the Son of Man who, uh, has sacrificed, uh, who has been sacrificed for the forgiveness of our sins. Pastor Gavin Mize is the pastor at Augustana Evangelical Lutheran Church in Hickory, North Carolina, helping us this morning with Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 43. Pastor Mize, thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you. In the field of this world, both weeds and wheat grow. This is the way that it's been since creation. God planted his good seed there in the Garden of Eden, and the enemy came and sowed the seed of doubt, the bad seed, into the ears of Adam and Eve. And since then, the Lord has been patient, working for the sake of his elect to save them, to bring them into his eternal life. And even though that that looks small, it looks unimpressive, it looks like a, a tiny mustard seed or just a little bit of leaven that's hidden, you can't even see it. It is effective because it is the Lord's word. And it does grow. And through the means of word and sacrament, the Lord gives you that growth, dear Christian. He gives that growth to you as you hear the Lord's word, as you receive the body and blood of Jesus into your mouth. That word of the Lord grows so that on the last day when he returns, you will shine like the sun in the kingdom of your Father. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.